This is Bo Buchanan, Arizona Lodge number two, and I'm here speaking on the level with George Rusk. George, give me your full name, the name of your home, Blue Lodge, and any offices or titles you have connected to that lodge. Okay. I am George Robert Rusk. I am a past master of Oriental Lodge number 20, Free and Accepted Masons of Arizona, 2015. I'm currently a royal patron of Bahani Court number nine, Order of the Amaranth. I am a District Deputy Grand Master of District 12, the Grand Lodge of Arizona. And I am first Vice President of uh, High 12 State um, Clubs International. I'm gonna remember to ask you about that because I don't know about that. Um, when, when were you made a, a Master Mason? I was uh, initiated, uh, passed and raised in uh, 2009. 2009, okay. So it's not that long ago. Not long ago. I was uh, reintroduced into masonry uh, when my wife became a member of the Eastern Star, um, Starlight Number 16. So I came, to, drove her to lodge, and I would hang out. And uh, after a year. Of that, the Masons talked me into joining uh, Oriental, and then I joined the Starlight with her. You said reintroduced. What do you mean? Well, years ago, when I was a teenager, my father was a Mason for a short time in uh, Tampa, Florida, and I would go with him to the lodge when he was at the meetings. And I would either do my homework in the lodge room or I'd hang out in the car and listen to radio and stuff. Um, after a short period, about less than a year, he quit. Um, he didn't agree with the Southern um, attitude on Freemasonry. And so uh, that was the last I was involved in it until we moved here to Arizona. Wow. And then, so you'd already, so that was your first uh, exposure to masonry as a as a teen when your father joined. Yeah. What did you What did you know about it, or what did you uh, you know what, Why were you interested? If your dad had written it off, I guess back in your kid, why Why did you find it appealing? Here, we, well, in 2009, it's talking to the brothers here and getting me interested in it again. I I did some more research, and it kind of goes together with something I've always done all my life which was study multiple religions and and I believe in teaming and, and brotherhood and fellowship, that kind of thing. It, and it just fit with me. Um, Ex-military and, you know, you, when, if you've ever been in the military, you know, there's a bond that you make with your fellow soldiers or sailors uh, that just never goes away. And it, you're doing the same thing together and you're experiencing things together. And I found that to be something that the, they were experiencing here in the lodge, and I wanted to be a part of it. What branch of the service were you in? I was in the Navy for eight years. Oh, okay. I've heard a lot of uh, veterans talk about that, that sense of brotherhood that they find in masonry that they had in the service. It's a common theme. It is, and I, I'm glad to see some of the soldiers coming back from our recent wars and um, seeing them here in the lodge because... It is something that you need to 
to fulfill your soul with is, is fellowship and brotherhood. So how did your, you mentioned that you became reintroduced because your wife was an amaranth. Eastern star. I'm sorry, Eastern star. Did you know when you got married that she was an Eastern star? Or when you I, met her anyway? When I knew her, um, I knew her as a Job's daughter. And when I, I thought of Job's daughters, I was thinking of the uh, the girls that volunteered at hospitals. The candy stripers. Candy stripers. <laughs> For some reason, that's what I thought it was. Oh, interesting. Okay. Her father was a Mason and her great-grandmother was an Eastern star. And so her family's rich history in Masonry. Um, so I only thought, well, she's a good girl. She, she has some good true values. And that's what attracted me to her at the beginning. And, and then we uh, got married and never really talked about it for a long time. And when I talked to her dad, he never mentioned it. He's of a generation where it was really secret, really separated from their family, what the Masons did. And so he never brought it up. So I had no idea what Masonry was to their family mm. until she, we got here in Arizona and she met some ladies that were in STAR and got her interested in it. And so she wasn't a member when she came here to Arizona? No. Oh, okay. So first she got involved in Eastern STAR and then you followed her? Yes. That's kind of neat though. That's cool that you guys do that together. It is, and it's gotten me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Why, could you get volunteered for things? Because, uh, yes, all the ladies' groups need Masons yes. to be members. And so I I was a member of the STAR, and then she joined Amaranth, and a member of that. And, and uh, so, yeah, it, it keeps you quite busy. Tell me a little bit about uh, uh, why we're here today, the special event. Today is the installation of Oriental Lodge Number 20's officers and Prometheus Lodge 87. So double installation. A dual installation. Yeah, we don't. They're not uh, joining each other's lodges. They, we're just installing them separately together. Uh, some people might think we're having a double installation. Does that mean they're all joining the same lodge? Mm, okay. Or something like that. No, it's it's two separate lodges just having it on the same day because of members that belong to both lodges. Um, Prometheus was founded in 2014 by members of Oriental, uh, down with Gilbert. Um, I fought the urge <laughs> to be a charter member of, of <laughs> and uh, I, I'm glad I did because I would have been caught up in that whirlwind of dual um, mastership in, that all the others have gone through. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a special event, we like doing it. Um, it's worked out conveniently for both lodges. Um, they're a young lodge. They don't have a regular place to meet that could hold or have the capacity to do a formal get-together like this. So we appreciate, we like doing that for them, and it saves time and energy for both lodges. Or both members of the lodges. And the, tell me the uh, the uniqueness about the position with the masters. Um, they were originally members of Oriental 20 going up through the line. And then they joined or were charter members of Prometheus and went up through the line of that lodge. So 
as they've been moving from chair to chair in Oriental, they've also moved from chair to chair in Prometheus. And somewhere down the line, they had a little bit of foresight to make sure that they didn't preside in the same chairs at the same time because they couldn't be master of two lodges. Right. So they kind of switched some roles early on to make sure that they kind of crisscrossed and followed each other around in this large dual circle. <laughs> it's kind of cool. I've never seen that something like that before. It is very unique in this. It's, um, so Cosmo was uh, a founding member. Uh, Jeff Cummings was the original master of Prometheus. First master of Prometheus. First, okay. So he left here as master and went to master of Prometheus. Cosmo left here as master of Oriental went to, and followed Jeff as master of Prometheus. Oh. So, um, and then the, the other members were in the line and so yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> pretty different. It, although everything I see Prometheus involved in, they do kind of a lot of unique stuff, uh, very different than, than most other lodges I see. Yeah, they're trying to be cutting edge. They're trying to be new wave or new age or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, and they have a lot of young members, which uh, excites that fire to do those kind of things. Tell me about uh, some of your... Uh, favorite memories so far of the time you've been in masonry? Tell me about maybe some of the things you've done or... Well, being master of the lodge is probably a pinnacle of my lifetime achievement. It is one of the greatest things I've ever done uh, and one of the greatest things that other people have done for me to, to elect me to that position. Um, just being part of a membership of a group, uh, all the things we do, the fundraisers, the uh, the meetings, the regular meetings, uh, the raising of other brothers, um, doing it together, getting to know the ins and outs of uh, each other. It's all been worthwhile. I can't think of any single. What, what kind of fundraisers do you have to do? Uh, we've had garage sales. We've had barbecues. Um, we do uh, the school stuff, so we have schools come in uh, as part of the education, recognizing age, education, so we have science projects that we put up inside, and with those we have little donation boxes. So tell me, so what, the kids bring their science projects from um, school? So or? the City of Mesa, or the, yeah, the City of Mesa school system um, uses us as a uh, judging for some science projects. Oh, that's cool. And we give out awards and little cash awards to them. And then we do it to the teachers. We do that in the spring and then we recognize the teachers in the fall. That's pretty cool. They, they uh, have that faith in you to do that and trust. It's pretty big too. It's gotten so big. The first two years we've had it here in the lodge, the following years, we've had to have them in school auditoriums and uh, gymnasiums because it got so, so big. Wow. How many schools participate? All of the schools in the district or? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. They have their own individual um, contests, every school, and then the winners of the schools go to a different level, and then each grade has a winner. 
And you do that for all those grades? We do the final. We judge the final for. For multiple grades? Yes. Wow. Holy cow. That's that's pretty cool. <clears throat> and that's a, a Cosmo project that he started. He started that? Yeah, Cosmo's full of good ideas. We had bikes for books for a while, and then we had, um, um, what do you call it when a kid writes, essay. We did essay, essay judges. Yeah. Essay contests. And uh, all of those kind of went by the wayside, and, and we were trying to figure out what, what can we do for education, because that's one of our foundation or uh, charities we like to support public school system right what uh, can you tell me a little bit about any of the brothers in your time in masonry that maybe have had a big impact on you as a person or as a mason well of course my mentor he's probably had the most influence on me um, don wilson he was a past master He's kind of walked me through everything, and he's a good role model. Um, I think the most influential person in my Masonic life, though, is probably Jim May. We've interviewed Jim. Yes, he's. There's just aren't words to describe him. He's just all around. He's sensible. He's funny. He's says the right things at the right times. And, uh, I just enjoy and would, em would love to emulate him if I could. <laughs> I, I don't have the gift of gab. <laughs> what is, uh, you mentioned before that you like the the brotherhood of masonry and one of the, one of the other things we talk a lot about in masonry is uh, we make good men better. Um, has, has masonry changed you at all or made you a better man? Yes. I would say so. It's also reinforced feelings and and uh, a direction that I wanted to go into and follow. Uh, Boy Scouts, uh, military, they all those they teach you about honor and, and uh, trustworthiness and reverence. <clears throat> And masonry just fit right in like a glove in those, um, that thought process I was having. Uh, and of course, I, I like studying religions and being a, a group that's open to all religions is very appealing to me, very appealing. What, how, how has it changed you, do you think? Um, I'm more aware of those virtues in my everyday life. Through ritual, I repeat them, repeat the ritual. It, it reinforces it. Remind I, yourself, I, yeah. Sometimes I find myself saying things in public that are bits of lectures or ritual that just fits the, the moment. Right. Um, it's, it's really helped me. And of course, the public speaking part. Right. <laughs> I've always been uh, shy and nervous in, in public, and this has really helped. Um, I w going through the line here at the lodge, I was also being mentored at work, and uh, it's a unique situation. Yeah. Uh, no, following a, a leadership at work that um, 
You mean the situation was unique? Oh, was, you said you were mentored at work, mean, meaning through masonry? Were somebody at work no, at mason no, also? No. Oh, uh, as a leader at work, as okay. a leadership at work. You're getting some leadership training at, at work at the same time you're going through masonry. Right. Yes, and, and it really blended well. It was helping me focus, helping me organize meetings, which is you know, something that we don't talk about, the, the logistics of a lodge are much more than being a good, making a good man better. Right. There's so much more. A lot of organization behind the scenes. A lot of organization behind the scenes. And sometimes we get, those get lost in the translation. So this helped me in that respect. What would you say, you know, if someone asked you, um, why should I join Freemasonry? Or better yet, what does Freemasonry mean to you? somebody asked me what does Freemasonry means to me, I would say um, that it means to me something different than it may mean to somebody else. Uh, what it means to me specifically is learning about myself, learning more about the world around me, and how I can help others as well as help myself. could go on and on, but in the simplest form, that's about it. What would you say to someone listening to this recording, maybe in 50 or 100 years, if they were curious about masonry or thinking about joining, what would you say to them? I would say that you should give it a try. Um, if you want to make yourself a better person, this is definitely uh, a mechanism to do that. All right, George, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today. Okay.